And maybe God is trying to teach some of us patience. Last time I checked, he's not on my timetable. I don't pray to try to change his will. I don't pray to try to change his time schedule. I pray that his will be done. And once his will is done, uh, it's, it's very hard sometimes for me to accept his will because sometimes things doesn't turn out the way I thought. You ever prayed that? I had much, pretty much figured out how it was supposed to work. And I told God how I wanted it to work. And he didn't listen to me. So I'm thinking, well, I prayed for his will, so it didn't work out the way I thought, but still, I have to accept his will. Even now, things that are happening, I don't think God is doing all this stuff, but God is working. And you and I, in these last days, should be praying for the greatest revival ever. People are lonely. People are depressed or discouraged. I was watching the news yesterday and they say people are having mental illnesses because of the social uh, distancing and the sheltering in the home all the time. But it's time for that Christian to, as that song we sang last week, it's time for the Christians to run into the darkness and to be a light. Because those people need you, whether they believe it or not, they need the believer because we are the only ones that has the truth. The only ones. And if it's a time to preach, the time is now. If it's a time to be light and salt, the time is now. So what can I do before the rapture happens is to try to take as many as I can with me before it happens. And they tell as many folks as possible. I was walking last week. I meet a lot of people when I walk. In a car, I can't talk to nobody. But when I walk, you find people everywhere in the ditches and side the road. And they got a half a gallon of bourbon sitting beside the, side the street. And they all drunk and smell, you know, like whiskey and stuff. But I said to myself, you know what? Jesus must have experienced the same thing around sinners. I'm sure he smelled cigarette smoke and whiskey and probably heard a few curse words. That don't bother me because I know that people are lost and they need Christ. But if I'm going to win them, I have to befriend them and show love to them and don't think that I'm any better than they are. I'm just better off. Because the Bible says some with some of you. But, so we can't forget that unbeliever. What, let me see what I was going to say today. I wasn't supposed to say all that, but it just came out. Okay, so we're in Revelation chapter 4 this morning. Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. You'd be surprised. I was telling Pastor Joel about this. You can study all you want, but once you stand behind this pulpit, it's like the Holy Spirit will give you things that Steve knows. He can give you things that... You haven't studied. Although I got things written down that I studied. And sometimes the Holy Spirit says, I don't want you to say that. I want you to say this. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. I've been spending hours on this. He says, I don't care. I want you to say that. So you have to sometimes just when you're up here, just go with the Holy Spirit's leading. 
Revelation chapter 4, 1 through 11, the throne of God, the throne room of heaven. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet, speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a, thr a throne set in heaven, and one set on the throne, and he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in the appearance like an emerald. Around the throne was 24 thrones, and on the thrones saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their head. And from the throne proceeding lightning, thundering, and voices, seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the stone and around the stone were four living creatures full of eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, and the third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The fourth living creature each had six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they did not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. Whenever the living creatures gave Give glory and honor and thanks to him who sat on the throne, he who lives forever and ever. Amen. The 24 elders fell down before him and sat on the throne and worshiped him who lived forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. In this chapter 4, uh, he said in his, chapter 4, verse 1, after this, he had just finished his seven churches. We had just finished his, the, um, in chapters 2 and 3. But here he says, after this, there is no more mention of the church on earth after this chapter. Every time you see the church after this chapter, this church is in heaven. Because the church is no more here. He says, after this, this is the last time you'll see, you'll see the church mentioned in earth. The church is in heaven. We'll be caught up in the air. Uh, the mission, our mission on earth will be completed. And the focus now has been changed from earth to heaven. It has moved into a new phase. It is called the rapture of the church. That is a good opening. When, you are, when you're talking to people, like I was talking to people last week, and I said, hey, have you guys ever heard of the rapture of the church? They go, what is that? I knew they hadn't, but you know, I had to, I'm trying to get a way to start a conversation. You know what I'm saying? So I had a chance to explain the rapture of the church to the people. And they thought it was, they didn't come to Christ, but maybe they will. They've never even heard of a rapture. The unbeliever don't even know what a rapture is. But the believer knows. So that was a good opening for me 
to start a conversation. And the Bible talks about the rapture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. You know the story. And you know what it says. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. I like that. It says the Lord himself is going to descend. He's not going to send Michael and he's not going to send Gabriel. It says the Lord himself is going to descend to come pick us up. He's coming himself with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Are you comforting one another too with these words, knowing that the rapture could take place any time Christ's going to descend and the Christian's going to ascend? John told us to come up here in chapter 4, verse 1. Come up here. That is a word I want to hear, boy. That is a word I want to hear right now. The Lord says, come up here. Now, what are you going to tell us? Come up here. Come up here. The next prophetic thing that's supposed to happen in Scripture is the rapture of the church. And as far as I know, after listening to Harold Lindsay and Chuck Smith and uh, J. Vernon McGee and all these people and John MacArthur, different ones I listen to, they say it's not one Scripture has to be fulfilled before the rapture takes place. It could take place right now. Did you know that? The rapture could take place right now. When the last person gets saved, when the last sinner gets saved, when the last sinner is added to the kingdom, we're going up. Now, I don't know when the last sinner is going to be, but God knows. Rapture is not a word that appears now in English Bible. It comes from the Latin word rapio, which means snatched away. The word means to be snatched away suddenly or removed suddenly. The Bible says within a twinkling of an eye. I was reading about that. I wonder how fast is a twinkling of an eye. I don't know this, but I've read this. They say a twinkling of an eye is a thousandth of a second that you would be gone. A thousandth of a second, if you can imagine that. I don't know where they got that, but I've read that. So if you're not ready when the rapture comes, it's going to be too late to get ready, and you're going to have to stick around and face the Antichrist. So it's best to get right or get left. Because it could happen any time. The purpose of the rapture, the purpose of the rapture is to remove the church from the world before the judgment starts. And judgment has already started. If you have the eyes to see it. You know, I'm a pre-tribulationist. I believe that God is going to take the church out before the rapture. I believe that. There are some that don't. But that's okay. It doesn't matter what you believe. When the rapture happens, everybody going from all tribes, nations, and tongues all over the world, we're all going up at one time, and God's not going to stop to ask you what you believe. It ain't going to matter. Is the Lord, he's going to appear in the clouds and he's going to take his bride to heaven. As Christ told the church in Philadelphia, because you have kept my command to persevere, I will keep you from the hour of the trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Revelation 3.10, talking about the tribulation period. 
I don't believe God is going to take us through the tribulation. I don't believe that. There are some that do. The rapture and the second coming are two separate, separate events. At the rapture, Christ comes for his bride. They are caught up in the air. At the second coming, Christ is going to come back with his bride. The church. Revelation 4, 1, after these things, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. He's talking about things that's going to take place in the future that John never seen. That's John trying to explain to us what he saw. After this, after what? After the completion of the seven churches, we closed the moment in history. After this, John sees a door open in heaven and one set on the throne was Jesus Christ. In verse two, we say, immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne set in heaven. One set on the throne. Who was that? God the Father. This was, this was not a dream. John was, John was supernaturally transported out of the natural into the supernatural, out of the material world. And he received revelation from God what was going to happen in the future. God sends him back to earth to try to explain it. And John is doing the best he can to try to explain what he saw. I know Paul was caught up in the third heaven and Paul said, man, he couldn't, hardly, he couldn't even put into words what he saw. I've seen pictures of heaven in the Christian bookstore, but I don't think it's doing it justice. So I was in the spirit. He also said in Revelation 1.10, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard, behold, me a loud voice as as a trumpet, which was the voice of Christ. He heard a voice like a loud trumpet, which was the voice of, he heard the voice of God. He said it sounded like a trumpet. The key word in this chapter is thrones. It is used 14 times. In fact, the key word in this entire book, thrones, appears 46 times in this book. No matter what happens on earth, God is still on the throne. And God is in complete control. Various teachers interpret Revelation in different ways, but they all agree that God is sovereign and that God is in control. What an encouragement for us as Christians that we are able to live and see things as we do as a time as this. He said in verse three, and he sat there like a jasper and a sorry stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. So this throne is going to be decorated with jasper and sorry stones in appearance. He says like a rainbow. Look how many times he used like. He said it's like. It's like. He didn't say it was, but he said it's like. He's trying to describe it in his own terms, what he saw, and he's having a hard time doing it. The rainbow, the rainbow was a complete circle, not merely an arc like it is here on earth. The rainbow around God's throne is a complete circle. circle. For in heaven, all things are completed. The rainbow reminds us that God's covenant, it reminds us of God's covenant, which nor we promised nor uh, symbolic of his promise that he would never again 
destroy the earth with a flood. God's covenant, as we shall see, was not only with Noah, but it was with all creation. So every time you go out and you see a rainbow, you can remember God's covenant that he made, that he would never destroy the earth again. Judgment is about to fall, but the rainbow reminds us that God is merciful, and when he judges, he will be merciful. Usually a rainbow appears after the storm, but here it appears before the storm. He's trying to warn people before the storm hits. John uses precious gems to symbolize the glory of the Father. Jasper is a clear stone, a crystal like a diamond. Uh, speaking of God's purity, sardine uh, is red. It came from Sardis. Speaks of God's judgment. God is going to judge the nations. An emerald is green, a color associated with grace and mercy. All of these stones were found on the beautiful breastplate of the high priest in Exodus 28. The high priest wore these. The emerald and green is a dominant color. If you look at a rainbow, the green is the dominant color in a rainbow. Speaks of God's grace and mercy. Rainbow around the throne, he said, a complete circle around the throne. Perfection, eternity is perfection, not a half circle. It was a rainbow surrounding the throne vertically. John saw the glory of God the Father on his throne. He found the sight too overwhelming to give any physical description other than to say that God was a brilliant, he was like a, as a brilliant gemstone, beautiful colors. There's going to be multiple colors in heaven surrounding the throne of God that is going to be breathtaking, absolutely breathtaking. Ezekiel saw this, uh, something similar, similar in Ezekiel 1, 28. Ezekiel writes, like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the brightness all around it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Ezekiel sent to rebellious Israel, so when he said when he saw it, he said he fell on his face. Wow. But this is going to be beautiful. Verse 4, around the throne were 24 elders, and, and on the thrones saw 20, uh, 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns on their heads. The 24 elders, some understand these to be angelic beings. Some says angelic beings. But likely the 24 elders represent the redeemed, the church, the glorified ones, crowned and throned. It's talking about the church will be crowned and throned in heaven. Angels never said to be wear a crown. Though believers are said that we're going to have crowns. 2 Timothy 4.8, James 1.12, 1 Peter 5.4, Revelation 2.10. The elders probably symbolize the people of God in heaven, enthroned and rewarded and glorified in the presence of God. Before the, the tribulation hits in Revelation chapter 6, it seemed that the 24 elders signified the saints. The saints have been raptured with Christ and, and worshiping him 
And all the saints over the world who have put their faith in Christ will be there. They represent the church triumphant and victorious. They crown, he said, the crown you're going to be given represents victory. For God's people have been called home. We are kings and priests, according to Revelation 1.6. You're going to be kings and priests. That's why it's so important to stay focused and to try to try your best to see life from an eternal perspective. You talk to some people, they think they're going to be here forever. You're not going to be here forever. You were never designed to be here forever. But we are clothed, he said, they are clothed in white raiment, the righteousness of the saints, imputed righteousness. Righteousness given to us by Christ. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. He said they had on their head crowns of gold, signifying the honor and the authority has been given to them by God. And they have on their heads crowns. Kingly office. We're going to be kings and priests in heaven. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And Lord knows I was in darkness. What about you? He called me out of darkness into his light. Wow. The patience of God I put God the last on my list. I put Jesus Christ the last on my list after I had tried everything. Didn't work. Oh, I had the stuff. I had the material stuff, but I didn't have the peace. But until I tried Christ, I had no peace. I tried everything and put him the last on my list, but you know what? He was patient enough to wait for me anyway and he was still patient enough to save me anyway. I did not put him first. I tried everything else. I was like the prodigal son. I had to eat with the pigs and hit rock bottom before I came to Christ. That's why I know what's out in the world. I know what's out there in the world because I've been out there. I was 33 before I became a Christian. I know what's in the world. The world is led by Satan. The world is led by the enemy and deceiving people. But I put him last, and when I came to him and gave my heart to him in Costa Mesa, California, 1978, 7.30 at night, then I felt the peace of Christ. Now, the world is looking for this peace that we have, so we want to share this peace with other people. But anyway... Verse 5, from the throne proceeded lightning, thunders, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits. This, this, the phrase describes the Holy Spirit and his perfection. It's not seven Holy Spirits, but it's the Holy Spirit in his completeness. Isaiah 11, 2. It symbolizes the fullness and the completion and perfection of the Holy Spirit. Now, during this age of grace, the spirit is pictured as a dove of peace, John 1, 29 through 34. But after the church is taken away, the spirit will minister a judgment of fire. Verse 5 describes not a throne of grace, but a throne of judgment. 
thunder and lightning and warning that the storm, he's warning that a storm is about to come. And that's what the spirit is doing now, is telling the world that a storm is about to come. God thundered at Sinai when he gave the law to Moses. And he will thunder again to judge those who have broken his law and has rejected Christ. He's going to judge this wicked world. That's why we're in the mess we're in, because the world has turned its back on God. And it will never be right until people come back to him. He said it was thunder and lightning. He's trying to warn people, hey, man, judgment is about to take place. All who have rejected Christ. He said, verse 6, before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal in appearance. It looked like crystal, he said. He keep using this word like. There was a throne of glass like crystal in appearance. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and back. Four living creatures similar to the same thing Ezekiel saw in his vision. Ezekiel 1.10. As for the likeness of their faces, each had the face of a man and each the four had the face of a lion and on the right, each four had the face of an ox on the, on the left side, and each of the four had the face of an eagle. So he said that he, he saw these four creatures. Many people believe these are cherubims. The highest ranking angel you can get is a cherubim. Satan was a cherubim. He said he saw these. John said, in the midst of the throne, he looked around. He said, I saw four living creatures full of eyes front and back. Full of eyes in front of back symbolize they are unceasing watchfulness. They see everything. They are supernatural being. Nothing escapes, nothing escapes their scrutiny. He says, sea of glass, there's, there's, no, there's no sea in heaven. But it was like crystal, it's like a crystal pavement, pavement, a crystal pavement that is transparent, that serves as a floor of God's throne that stretches out. Like a glistering sea. He said it was a sea of glass, but it was a throne like transparent, like a, it was like a glistering sea that was beautiful. He said the first living creature, verse 7, was like a lion, the, seven, the second, like a creature, like, and, a, and a calf, and the third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like an eagle. These, the four symbols suggest majesty and courage and strength and intelligence and speed in the service of their creator. John compared these four beings with God's earthly creations. The likeness of a lion symbolized strength and power. Believers will have supernatural strength and power in heaven. He says, second like a calf, demonstrating that the humble service to God. These, be, these beings render humble service to God. Third face like a man. Their faces to a man, to a man shows that they are rational beings. Fourth like an eagle. The cherubim fulfill their service to God with swiftness. In other words, the cherubim has tremendous speed. And it's believed that in our supernatural bodies, you will have tremendous speed. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. 
You, if you want to think Russia, you can just think it in your mind and instantly you're in Russia. Supernatural bodies, I'm talking about, that will never get old, never get tired, never get sick. Forever. Forever. So what I do to keep me going every day, I look past this life and I look over into the next one. That keeps me going. Because this life here is just temporary. But the next life is eternal. Well, omnipotent. He's all powerful. Verse 8, the four creatures, the four living creatures, each one had six wings, four eyes around within, and they did not rest day or night. Do you know we're not going to get tired in heaven? You're not going to get tired. You're not going to need no medication, no doctors, no nothing. Man. And they're saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and who is, who is to come. Rest in the physical is necessary on earth, but in heaven, it's going to be unnecessary because you're not going to ever get tired. You're going to be in supernatural bodies because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These are supernatural bodies. He said, which was and is and is to come. What he's saying is God is eternal in his existence and God exists outside of time. If you can comprehend that. It can, he continues forever. God continues outside of time. We have a time to wake up, time to go to bed. We have a time to go to work. We have a time to eat, a time to sleep. God works outside of time because he is eternal. Can you understand that? I know I can't. I can't understand it. I thought everything had a beginning and an end, but God was all, he always was and always is and always will be. Who was, who is, is to come. The praising of God by these living creatures is so contagious. And the entire group of God's people pictured by the 24 elders of the church, they join in with them. We're going to see these angels praising God and the church going to join in with them. Now, who says heaven is going to be quiet? I don't know. But I don't think it's going to be quiet at all. That might be quiet in the church. Y'all might be quiet down here, but it ain't going to be quiet in heaven. Amen. Sing unto the one on the throne, man. Sing unto the one on the throne, the heavenly core praising God. I've heard people say in my ministry, they say, well, I'm not going to come to church until uh, the singing is over. And I don't know about that. I ain't never understood that. But anyway, that's just me. Uh, I'm not going to come to church until the singing is over. Well, I told them, I said, well, you're not going to like heaven then. Because it's going to be a lot of praising. It's going to be a lot of singing in heaven. And you know what? God don't care if you're in tune or not. You sing from your heart, man. God is holy. That's why Isaiah saw a glimpse in the year that King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up in his train filled the temple. Above, I stood seraphim. Each one had six wings, covered his face. With two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is filled of his glory. And the posts of the poles were shaken like the voice of him who cried out. 
and the house was filled with smoke. So he said, woe is to me, for I am a man undone, Isaiah said, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people with unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Wow. There's going to be a lot of praise in there. I don't know if y'all got some good music around your house, but you ought to get some. Now, I know there's different types of music. That's your call, whatever you want to listen to. But I'm going to keep my music playing around my house. And my neighbor turn up that Led Zeppelin stuff, that rock and roll stuff, and I turn up mine. And sometimes he try to drown me out, and I try to drown him out. Anyway, Revelation verse 9 through 11, and we'll close with this. He said, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, who else is going to live forever and ever? You are. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Revelation instructs us to worship. It shows us they're praising God. They focus on God. They know that they don't deserve any crowns. So what they do, they throw the crowns down at his feet. Worship lifts our perspectives from earthly to heavenly. The point of this chapter is summed up in this verse. All creatures in heaven and earth will praise and honor God because he is the creator and he's the sustainer of all things. The elders cast a crown before him symbolizing the authority of God that they are not worthy to receive any crowns. We're not worthy. We just throw them at his feet. The elders join in the praise and they cast their crowns before the throne. You get crowns, you know, what you do down here on this earth is going to count there. But when we get the crowns, we throw the crowns at his feet knowing we don't deserve anything. He says, worthy, worthy, worthy. God created all things. You know, Satan can't create. Satan cannot create. Satan can infiltrate. Satan can, Satan can counterfeit, but he can't create. He can imitate, but he can't create. Because God is the creator. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God needs nothing, no material to create anything. That means God can create something out of nothing. He needs no material. So in this chapter is the greatest praise festival in the entire universe. So get ready, brother. Get ready. Jesus is coming. Are you prepared to meet him? That is the question. Because soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. There'll be no more crying there. We are going to see the king. There will be no more dying there. But we are going to see the king. And he's coming back. To get you and to get me. Because when the roll is called up yonder, you will be there if you got Christ. You'll be there.
Some, as the song says, some glad morning when this life is over, I will fly away. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Because weeping might endure for the night, but joy will come in the morning. If you stay true, if you stay true and stay the course, the blessing's coming. If you stay faithful and stay true and stay in his word and you stay in prayer, the blessings are coming. They are coming and they're going to come and they're going to keep coming because you have been faithful in the good times, in the bad. Hey, you know what? You're not the only one going through this. We're all going through the same thing. But we can't pray for each other, right? And we can't encourage each other through it. If you have strong faith, encourage the ones who are weak. When I come to church, I look for people with needs, man. When I come to church on Sunday, I'm not in no hurry at all. I get home eventually. Sometimes it's five o'clock. I don't care. Sometimes I forget to eat. I forget. I said, man, I haven't eaten all day. Well, I haven't eaten a day either. That's, that's okay. That's all right. I'll eat later. But I, when I come to church, I want to come to be a blessing to other people, don't you? So when you come to church, look around for people who might be in need. And you can pray for them too. Call somebody, encourage them. And if you see somebody in the fellowship that is hurting, make sure you reach out to them. So with that, I'll close and we'll continue in Revelation chapter 5 next week. God bless you. And if you're watching this by Facebook or YouTube, you have not received Jesus Christ as your Savior, we want to give you a chance to come go with us in the rapture. Jesus could come right now and you might not hear another message like this. So if you are watching by YouTube or Facebook and you have not received Christ as your Savior, do it today because tomorrow is not promised. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You, you might not be alive tomorrow. All you got to do is admit that you're a sinner, which we all are, and say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Come into my heart and receive and, and forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Savior. I believe you died and rose on the third day. And you are the Lord. I want to make you Lord of my life. Say that little prayer. You can be saved. Even the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that repents. You can be saved. I want to get everybody an opportunity to go to heaven. I don't want anybody to say, well, I didn't know. Well, I'm telling you. Your religion can't get you to heaven. Your church can't get you to heaven. Your pastor can't get you to heaven. Your denomination can't get you to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come to the Father except by me. So he's the only one that can get you in. If you reject Jesus Christ, you have, ejected, you have just rejected eternity and eternal life. You've rejected it. So don't reject him. Accept him today, and you'll be glad you did. God bless you.